Hello, everyone. Welcome to Quantum Catechesis. I'm Father Joe Krupp, and you are not. And a hearty hello from Coach Mark D'Antonio, who is not here today in the studio, but just told me, tell everybody hi. I feel very important being a messenger for Mark D'Antonio, superstar action figure, Wolverine Slayer sold separately. Today is pretty crazy because it's the Feast of St. Peter and Paul. And so what I'm going to do, and I've never done this before, I was telling Carrie, I have a timeline I made of the life of St. Peter. He says hi also. And a timeline I have of the life of St. Paul. And today what I did was use the powers of the force to combine them with a timeline, a minor timeline, of what was going on in the Roman world at the time. So we're going to talk through that, right, just to give you a sense of how their lives lined up and didn't line up, right? Peter being older, Paul being younger, all these kinds of things. I think you're going to really like it. And if you don't, it's probably because you're what medical doctors call a huge sinner. So what about tomorrow? I suspect we'll need to finish this discussion tomorrow. I don't think I'll be able to get through the whole thing. And then I'm going to talk a little bit. Well, I don't know. It might be a lot about um, the Supreme Court ruling or whatever you call it last week that said abortion is not a right guaranteed in the Constitution. I made a post expressing my sorrow over how so many of my students were reacting. And I did not expect, they never comment on my Facebook page. Have you noticed that? Never. Uh, and I just assumed they weren't even paying attention. Uh, they were. Um, and I received simultaneously blowback and support. And I learned a lot through both. I really did. Um, so I'm excited to share it, even though I hate all this. I really, really hate all this. Yeah. Just to clarify, your former students. Yeah, former students. Right. My kids from Lansing Catholic and MSU where Jesus went to school. So I'd like to talk about that a bit, because for those of us who are pro-lifers, I think you can, you and I have some things to learn and grow in. And for those who are pro-choicers, I think there's things you can learn and grow in, too. So, ugh, do you even see my face? I'm so sick of it already. Did you see how many churches were burned down or vandalized in pro-life centers? I read Carrie a list uh, before the show of how many. Uh, and what was that slogan painted on almost every one of them? If women aren't safe, you aren't. Yeah. Like, holy cow. So, yes, we've lost our minds, and as is typical of American politics, somebody didn't get their way and is flipping out. I saw a TikTok okay. of a gal who said, has anybody tried to turn off and turn back on the United States? Yeah, it's got to work. <laughs> it's got to work. Push the reset button. If you hold down the Constitution button for like 30 seconds. Uh, okay. So with that, let's get to the yippy skippy happy stuff. We're going to talk about Saints Peter and Paul. And again, we're going to talk about it in timeline form. So I'm not going to go Peter, then Paul. I'm going to go year by year. For example, in 1 BC, 
Uh, Simon Barjona, meaning the guy who becomes Simon Peter, is born in Bethsaida in Galilee. That's in 1 BC. And you say, how do we know that? Well, we don't. Uh, we have a guess. It could have been the year before. It could have been the year after. Always remember, when we talk about time in this day and age, there were no watches. There was a vague sense of time through months. There was certainly a sense that the earth orbited the sun, which, by the way, is so funny when people say that the church never, or the church, what did they say, executed Galileo or something for saying the earth revolved around the sun. The church thought that 200 years before him. Uh, their problem with him was something else entirely. But even the Romans had some basic understanding of what was going on. But they thought it was a cyclical orbit, not a, what do you say, elliptical, I think? Mm -hmm. Okay. So what ended up happening is there was no leap year. <laughs> and every year the calendar got a little more wrong. And then simply every once in a while they would realize they were planting in August and they would reset. Isn't that funny? Yeah. It's just time wasn't that important. Well, you woke up, you worked, and you ate and went to bed. That was life. Uh, and so it wasn't important for them. And, of course, they didn't have 1 AD because what? Nobody cared that some carpenter was born, you know, in a poor family. Uh, so... Most of these dates you're going to see, well, except for Paul, a lot of Paul's dates we've got because Romans talked about him and Romans kept meticulous records. But uh, with that in mind, we assume it was around 1 BC. So Simon Peter was a year older than Jesus. Do you think he bossed him around? <laughs> Jesus is your elder. Grades. Yeah, they were, and they were in different schools, and they were rivals. This is a little-known fact. Uh, so Simon Peter was born, and again, uh, now we're going to look at 4 AD, okay? And what are we going to see here? We're going to see that Caesar Augustus adopted uh, Tiberius as his son. Now, Caesar Augustus had a few boys, Germanicus and a few others, but all of them died. And all of them he had groomed to be emperor, uh, and then they died under bad and sorrowful circumstances. Uh, Tiberius was his wife's son from a previous marriage, and Caesar Augustus didn't like him very much, didn't think very highly of him, but in the end he ran out of boys. Okay, so he adopted Tiberius and eventually named him his successor. In 5 AD, what is AD? Anno Domini, uh, the year of our Lord. So Jesus was about five at this point, about, okay? Saul, who's going to be St. Paul, was born in Tarsus of Cilicia. Uh, he is of the tribe of Benjamin. How do we know that? Because he says so. Um, and uh, that's why we assume he's left-handed. Right? Uh, because all boys in the tribe of Benjamin were trained to be left-handed. Pretty handy stuff in a fight when everybody fights phalanx style. Okay? Um, and that's quite well, literally, I read why they did it. And Paul talks about being left-handed, kind of. Do you remember? Uh, there's one point in Galatians where he stops and he writes in the middle of his letter, look at how big my letters are. Which, again, I, I just... Paul is awesome. Paul is the ADHD wonder boy. Um, we also, this is huge. This changes the course of Christianity forever. Namely, this wild fact. He was born in a city that Rome honored by saying any male child born there is a Roman citizen. Paul is born, Saul is born a Roman citizen. 
That's huge. That means, well, we're going to get into this. But because he was born in a city that was, that is a huge chipmunk. Holy cow. I'm, that chipmunk is this big. And it is a chipmunk. It is not a squirrel. He's got the little black. Can you see? No. Can't see him. Holy cow. That's a big chipmunk. Marius could probably barely catch it. Him being a Roman citizen ends up being epic. So, in this, so now we're in 7 AD, Judah becomes a Roman, Judea, excuse me, becomes a Roman imperial province. What does that mean? Rome was divided up into all kinds of political chunks, and some of them were the imperial province, namely the Caesar owned that. All tax revenue from there went directly to him. Now, we're going to say Caesar, we're going to say imperial, we're going to say emperor. None of them were called this. They were all called princeps, but you don't know that word. It's not the word commonly used. They, so we call them emperor or imperator, which means general. Uh, but uh, so you're going to hear me use the wrong words. I'm going to say Caesar. I'm going to say uh, emperor. No one called them that. Right. Uh, they called them princeps. So, for example, Caesar Augustus, no one called him that. They called him princeps Gaius. What is princeps? Did I already say this or no? Yep. Oh, first person. Um, they hid how powerful they were. They tried to. They wanted to make it look like there was still a republic. Okay. Uh, so anyway, be this as it may, um, it was named a province of the Caesar. And the census of Caesar Augustus takes place. And you might think, well, 7 AD, I thought Jesus would have been born in zero. Well, remember, there's no zero. Okay. Um, and it says in the gospel that, well, anyway, remember, years are amorphous. They didn't care. We care. So what do we do? We look at what year Caesar declared the census and we say, that must have been the year Jesus was born. Okay. Now, could it have been four? Yeah, sure. Could it have been 10? Not really. And we can get into that later. Okay. Uh, in 14 AD, Caesar Augustus dies and Tiberius takes over. If you know your Roman history, Tiberius was a bit of a disaster. He kind of snapped. He started okay, lost his mind or de descended into debauchery, whatever you want to say. When he eventually died, uh, they uh, threw his body. The chant in the streets was to the Tiber with Tiberius. Tiber is the big river that flies through there. And uh, they threw his body in the river. He didn't get buried with his father's. From 15 to 20 AD, we know that young Saul was studying uh, under Gamaliel in Jerusalem, one of the greatest Jewish scholars who ever lived. And we, it's clear when you read Paul's letters, he studied Plato, he studied Aristotle, he quotes Plato uh, in the New Testament a few times. Paul is going to emerge as one of the smartest men of his time. One of the most learned was how they said it. Um, they made a distinction, as we should, between learned and smart. Learned meant you had an education. Smart meant you were actually intelligent, right? Some people without educations are dumb. It just happens, right? Like me. 
So we know that at this point, from 15 to 20 AD, young Saul was studying under one of the greatest teachers of his time and becoming known for being one of the great thinkers of the time. When we get to somewhere between 25 and 27, we know that Simon moved with his family, including his mother-in-law, to Capernaum. That's important because that's right near where he's going to meet Jesus. Where was he before? Bethsaida. Remember, that's where we said he was born. So in 25 to 27, Simon and his family, including his mother-in-law, whose name was Phyllis. I'm just kidding. I made that up. I'll be totally honest. Her name was Wendy. That's not true. Uh, moved to Capernaum. And at the same time, a guy named Pilate was appointed as procurator of Judea. And you know Pilate, right? I don't know if you know how he got moved there. He was removed from his previous post. We get this from Roman records, not the Bible, for being too brutal. If the Romans think you're too brutal, you are psychotic. John the Baptist in that same year was beheaded by Herod Antipas. Okay. Now, Herod, you say, who's Herod Antipas? Well, he was uh, a Herod who liked salads that had, like, meat and cheeses. What? No, that's anti-Antipasta. Okay. I was making a joke. Um, so... Herod Antipas was one of the many Herods at the time. Uh, and what you need to know is that he's the one who had John the Baptist beheaded. I almost said John the headed Baptist. So, and I think I've told you guys this, that what John the Baptist and Billy the Kid have in common is they share a middle name. So in 30 AD, in what is a seminal moment in history, Simon meets Jesus through his brother Andrew, scripture tell us. And Jesus calls Peter and Andrew. Uh, Jesus visited Peter's mother-in-law and cured her sickness. And then during this time frame, he changed Simon's name to Peter. So we need to pause for a second and look at why did Jesus change his name? So names were a funny thing back then, and I think we talked a bit about this in the past. But particularly, like, uh, well, Mike Duncan, who's a great Roman historian, counted in his lifetime, Caesar Augustus had nine different names, right? Uh, and why would people do that? Lots of reasons. There's no last names back then. Your name was simply, if you're a male, your first name that you were given at birth, and then you put bar and your father's name, Bar means son of. So I would be Yusef Bar Gordon. That's what people would call me. As I got older, I might develop a distinctive physical trait. Uh, uh, Pompey's dad, what was his name? Pompey Stravo, right? Which Stravo means cross-eyed. And they called him that. That was his name, Pompey Strabo. Hey, Pompey Crosside. Real gentle people. Uh, but you either a physical trait or a personality trait. Barnabus, right? Uh, Barnabas, we say, means son of encouragement. So at some point, he was so considered just such an encouraging guy that they just started calling him that, the encourager, right? So you would develop a nickname based on either a physical trait or a personality trait, or if your family was famous in some way for some seminal event, you would keep that, right? Like Maccabee, OK? 
okay, who were great warriors in the Jewish uh, war for freedom against the Greeks. And so if you were born into that family, you were your first name Maccabee. Right, because you wanted people to know, I'm related to the hammer of God. That's what Maccabee means. Yeah, I would want that name, God's hammer. Yeah. So uh, Simon, uh, we know was called Simon. That was the name either he was given at birth or the name he was eventually given by friends, either because of a physical or emotional trait. And Simon means pebble, little stone. Okay. Jesus changes his name to Petrus or Peter which means rock. Why would Jesus change his name? Every time someone's name is changed in the Bible, it's because God is giving them a mission. When Jesus changes Peter's name, it's because when Jesus said to the disciples, who do people say that I am? They all kind of start firing. Ah, some say you're John the Baptist, come back. Some say you're this, some say you're that. And he says, who do you say I am? And Simon said, you're the Christ. Uh, Jesus said to him these words, ready? Blessed are you, Simon, son of John, or Bar-Jonah, for mere flesh has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And so now I tell you, you are rock. He changed his name. You are Peter. And on this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. What sins you say are bound on earth are bound in heaven. Which sins you say are loosed on earth are loosed in heaven. Jesus changed his mission, and so he changed his name. This happened with Jacob. God changed his name to Israel, right, after he wrestled with God. And what does Israel mean? Wrestles with God. Uh, you could go on and on, and we're going to bump into it again. Somebody else gets a name change in this story. I'll give you a hint. It's Carrie. Okay. That's not. Yeah. Because she's drunk. We're just going to call her. Okay. Stop. So, uh, Jesus changes Simon's name to Peter and, uh, there we are. So now we get to 3132, somewhere in there. And we're going to get this a lot for a while, somewhere in there. Uh, St. Paul, becomes a Pharisee. This was an exalted, rare title. Uh, Pharisees, uh, Pharisee is a Greek word. It means the righteous ones. It means that they were observed to be perfectly obedient to the law, and they were smart about the law. Um, there were also people called Sadducees, and we've talked about this. Sadducees were great scholars of the law, but they did not believe. Pharisees were the liberals is the best way to think of it. Uh, Sadducees were the conservatives. Uh, as Jews bumped into foreign cultures, they picked up different elements. So when they bumped into the Persians is when they realized that the person that, like Moses called the, uh, oh shoot, my brain, something, the tempter was the devil. Right? They didn't really have a concept of devil before they met them. They had a concept that there was this thing out there, and it did some messed up stuff. But if you look at Job, which is one of the oldest books in the whole New Test Old Testament, the devil and God chat. Uh, they can be in the same room together. And uh, it's really when they bumped into the Persians where they started to understand, okay, there is a devil there is a powerful spirit actively working against us. So when you get to the Sadducees, they didn't accept any of that, 
right? If it wasn't right away, we ain't touching it. And so you had the Sadducees who did not believe in angels, did not believe in spirits, did not believe in heaven. Um, so that's them, and I always make that joke, right? They don't believe in heaven, so they're sad, you see? Uh, Pharisees believed in all those things. Um, during this time, back to Peter, Peter witnesses a lot of crazy stuff. Jesus raising a little girl from the dead, right? Jesus walking on the water. Uh, Jesus' transfiguration, when Jesus took them up to the mountain uh, and uh, changed. In his clothes, it says in Scripture, quote, became dazzlingly white, brighter than any fuller could make them. And they saw Jesus talking with Elijah and Moses, the two greatest Jews who ever lived before John the Baptist. And if you ask our Jewish friends, of course, no, they would say they're just the two greatest Jews, right? <laughs> so... Um, Jesus also, Peter gets in a spot of trouble also during this time too, that right after Jesus tells him, you know, all these wonderful things about changing his name, he then says, look, um, we're going to go to Jerusalem. Do you see my new fancy shirt? Are you jealous? Be honest. Yeah, I'm wearing it and I'm jealous. Um, after Jesus says, we're going to go to Jerusalem, where the Son of Man will be betrayed and executed, Peter's like, hey, let's not go to Jerusalem, right? Which, yeah, I'm there. I would have been that guy. Uh, and Jesus rebukes him. He says, Peter, you're not thinking like God does, but like humans do. And that's a real contrast, isn't it? That just a few chapters before, Jesus and Peter, Jesus uh, honors Peter and says, Mere human knowledge didn't show this to you. My father in heaven did. So Peter gained an insight from God and shared it and was honored and elevated. Then Peter shares a human insight and the Lord's like, talk to the hand. Okay, Which is, of course, a great thing for you and me. Right, A great thing for us. When we're trying to figure out what to do, I just was talking with a buddy a bit ago. And I was like, what's the right thing to do? Well, I got to pray about it. Here's my opinion. Because those are two different things. I can offer human wisdom until I pray about it. Then I can offer, hopefully, some divine wisdom. Although mine's both the same. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be totally honest. That's not true. All right. We get to 33 AD. How you guys doing? Are they bored or are they liking yeah. this? They're liking this? Yeah. Okay. Um, and who's, do you guys remember who's emperor right now? Tiberius. I'll give you a hint. His name is Tiberius. Okay, so 30, where were we? 33 AD, Jesus washed Peter's feet. Holy crap, God washed his feet. After saying, by the way, those little feet are going to run away from me. I don't know if they were little. Peter might have had huge feet. I can paddle upstream, canoe. Um, did you, we used to call big feet people, they, we said they had canoes. Did you? No. Oh, so that joke was no good, was it? No. All right. Jesus predicts Peter will deny him three times. Peter and the other disciples fall asleep when Jesus asks them, please stay awake with me. And they're like, sure, big fella. Jesus was arrested. Peter grabbed his sword and cut a dude's ear off. Uh, and do you know the name of the guy who he did that to? Van Gogh was his name. He became a very famous artist. That's true. Okay. 
No. Okay. Doesn't sound familiar. Doesn't sound familiar. <laughs> Although I do love how the Bible's written, right? The slave's name was Melchis. Okay, that was the name of the guy that Peter, it says, chopped off his ear. And what's funny is that, the, you know, you got to remember, the New Testament was written in such a tiny world because they write, Melchis, you know, so-and-so's brother. And no doubt a bunch of people reading it are like, that's how, oh. Isn't that funny to think? And then later, right, when Peter gets confronted by a girl in the courtyard, it turns out she was a, quote, a relative of the guy who cut, whose ear Peter cut off. It's such a small world. It's like this happening in Montrose, right? Everybody knows each other, and everyone knows kind of some of that. Like, for example, she knew Peter cut the dude's ear off. She didn't know Jesus healed it. But Scripture's pretty clear. Jesus healed the ear. Anyway, do you get in this pattern, and I love Peter for this. I love him for 900 reasons. If you were writing your life story, would you write every failure? Yeah. We'd have had an editor. Be like, and then Joe cured cancer, but somebody lost the recipe. <laughs> Peter's like, yep, did this, did that. Did, oh, Jesus needed me the most? Yeah, I fell asleep. Uh, but don't worry, when I woke up, I tried to kill someone and then denied knowing Jesus three times. Follow me. Right? That's what makes Christianity so unique. Right? What makes Buddhism attractive to some is that Buddha had it together. What makes Christianity attractive to us is that these guys are a wreck. And Jesus never changed his mind. He never said, remember the whole rock thing? Yeah, we're changing your name back to Simon and we're adding loser. You are now Simon Loser Boy. Isn't that something to think of? I think of that all the time. Uh, so Peter denied Jesus three times. Let me just say this. Oops. Okay. Uh, and then, you know, and again, I'm going super fast to seeing highlights. Peter hears Jesus is risen from the, from the dead. Who does Jesus appear to? Some women, right? Which I love Jesus for that. And Peter runs to the tomb. John gets there first, but waits for Peter out of respect. Uh, we also know that Jesus during this time appeared to the disciples a lot, uh, and that he promised them the gift of his Holy Spirit. And we know that Peter and a large group of folks gathered on a mountain in Galilee to see Jesus right before he ascended to heaven. It's referenced, I wrote this down, 1 Corinthians 15, 6. And why did I write that down? Because I didn't know that. I had to look it up. And I'm like, man, that's how the New Testament works. Like all this timeline I'm giving you, you're like, is that the order it happened? Yeah, the Bible doesn't put it in the order it happened. They put it in order of importance. I mean, generally in the order it happened. But. So then in 33 AD, Pentecost, disciples filled with the Holy Spirit. We did a whole show on that just a few weeks ago, so I won't get into it too much. Peter assumes leadership of the church, as Jesus told him to a few times. Uh, first job, we got to replace Judas. So they went to the bullpen, and uh, they replaced Judas. Now, when we get to 33 to 36, this is where it gets really mushy for us. But we know at this point, at some point, Saul was present for the execution of St. Stephen. Okay, it says Saul held their cloaks, meaning he gave legal credibility to them executing Stephen for being what you and I would call a Christian. Okay, we also know that he persecuted the church 
like it was a full-time job. If you look at uh, Philippians uh, 3.6, Paul talks about this. It was a horror for him the rest of his life. He didn't like being called the super apostle because he was like, I killed Christians, a lot of them, right? Uh, if we look at Acts 8, 1 to 3, it says that Paul laid waste to places and killed and imprisoned Christians. And somewhere in there also, Paul bumped into Jesus, right? Uh, and this is a seminal moment in the history of the church. This brilliant, passionate man becoming a follower of Jesus changes everything. And just like Peter, his contact with Jesus starts in a sense with shame, right? Peter's first words to Jesus, right, that we know of were, get away from me. I'm a terrible man. I'm a sinful man. Paul's first words, Saul's first words to Jesus was, who are you? To which Jesus said, I'm Jesus who you persecute. Jesus sends Paul back to Saul, back to Damascus, but changes his name to Paul. Paul's got a mission now, so he changes his name. Uh, we know that Paul, this is again where it gets a little stretchy. Okay, we'll have more solid dates in a moment. But we know in 36, Herod Agrippa was imprisoned by the Romans. And we know that Paul was somewhere around, uh, he went to Arabia, Damascus, Jerusalem, and Tarsus, back home to Tarsus. And we know that during this time he's studying and he's somewhat preaching, but mostly he's trying to strengthen his foundation. It's easy if you read Acts to think he just went right from conversion to great preacher. No, no, it took a while. Uh, Paul uh, tells us that later. Uh, it took him a while to figure it out. How are we doing? Sure. Okay, 37 AD, Caligula becomes emperor, right? And here's just another, if you don't mind, little Roman history. Nobody called him Caligula. If you called him Caligula, he would have killed you, literally, right? Why? Caligula. Caligula means little boots. Do you know this? Little boots. So he had 12 feet. Well, more when he was a little boy. It's hard to explain. So remember Tiberius? Yes. It's hard to explain how much Tiberius tortured him. Okay. Uh, psychologically uh, exposed him to sexual things uh, that he should never have been exposed to. Um, Caligula was insane because of Tiberius. But the one good thing in his life was when he was a little boogly, he was raised in the army. So they loved him so much, the soldiers all made him Caligula, little boots, that he wore around and they made a whole little suit of armor for this little boogly and they all called him little boots. When he got older, if someone called him that, he had them killed because he was completely insane. <laughs> okay. Um, but just know that, right? Again, what did they call him? Princeps Gaius. Why Gaius? That was his first name. I thought it was Augustus's first name. It was. Everybody's named Gaius. Okay. It's like Smith now. Okay. Um, but anyway, Caligula became emperor. He was what medical doctors call a disaster. And, uh, but... That's when we jump over to Peter 
And now what I got to do is give you a list of things Peter did. Now, I'm sorry for how vague this is. Sometime between 37 and 48 AD. And you say, that long? Yeah, they just didn't tell us the dates of things. And if the Romans don't comment on it, it's hard for us to get a sense. Okay, but here are the things we know Peter did. We believe between 37 and 48. They could have all been in one year. They could have been spread out that whole time. Who knows? Okay, we know uh, Peter and John were arrested by the Sanhedrin and threatened with prison if they didn't stop preaching this religion. And they were like, sure, okay, and kept preaching. We know that Peter and John went to Samaria. He traveled a lot with John. We know that he traveled, quote, to different places when they don't tell us where, but he preached and somewhere in there, he raised a little girl from the dead. We know that he visited a Roman centurion named Cornelius. That's a huge deal. Uh, Cornelius invited him. Nobody could have just approached a Roman centurion. Uh, the Roman centurion summoned him. And we know that somewhere in there, Peter began to accept the possibility that new Christians don't have to be Jews first. This is the first big fight in Christianity. What was it? Very simple. Uh, there are Jews and there are Gentiles. What is a Gentile? A not Jew. Okay, that's it. To the Jews, if you weren't a Jew, you're a Gentile. Simple, easy peasy right? Uh, it's like the Japanese, gaijin, right? Gaijin is the name they give to everybody not from Japan. What does it mean? Foreigner, right? It can be used as a mean word, and it can also just be used as a general word. Same with the, that chipmunk is huge. He's back. That's the biggest chipmunk I've ever seen. Okay, I'm by a window now, and that might have been a mistake. <laughs> What were we talking about? Do you remember? Oh, uh, Jews and Gentiles. So anyway, here was one of the things. You had a group of Christians who said, well, if you're a Gentile and you want to become a Christian, which, again, they just called a form of Judaism. They didn't separate it yet. Um, you have to become a Jew first, which means you change your diet. Okay. And it means you're circumcised. Not okay. It's going to leave a mark. So this was a big fight, and Paul, pretty quick in the fight, the scholar of the law was like, nah, everybody gets a shot at this. Peter started off bouncing back and forth. You could tell for a little while this was very hard for Peter. Uh, but this is when he started opening his heart to the possibility that a Gentile can become a Christian without circumcision. Um, and Cornelius became a Christian, the first Gentile to become so. Isn't that interesting? That we know of. In uh, 39 AD, Caligula deposed Herod Antipas and exiled him to Gaul. Um, in 41, Caligula was murdered and Claudius was declared emperor. Um, right around this time, a massive famine hit Rome. Uh, are people interested in this? Okay, so what happened? A few things. Just like now, climate changes, okay? 
you know, the whole climate change debate, right? Global warming and all those things. I don't think we call it global warming anymore. Uh, it's a fact that all through history, climate changes. Um, like, for example, during this time, you're gonna, this will blow you away if you didn't know, they were growing grapes in northern Britain. Can you believe that? Like lots of them, wine was coming from there. Uh, now, this isn't a way in on today's issue, okay, right? Because I think climate change is happening. How much of it's man-made and how much of it is, I can't tell, right? So I just pretend it's our fault because that's the safest possible route, in my opinion, okay? That's my opinion. But be this as it may, there was a pretty significant shift in the climate, which Rome could have overcome. But the problem is, once Caesar Augustus died, he had set up a system that kept Rome trucking for a hundred years. Now you had two really, really bad emperors in a row who blew through money, who ignored the work and did all the fun parts. We doing all right? And they butchered the economy. Now, when Caesar Augustus died, there was so much money in the royal treasury that they could have bought whatever they needed and not even noticed. There's not an equivalent in our society for how rich the Roman emperor was. And you think, well, what about Elon Musk? No, no. Elon Musk would have been as rich as the richest citizen in Rome was. To give you a sense of things, the general consensus is that the um, Caesar was 40 times richer than that. Okay? So these cats were blowing through money and then a, a famine hits, which normally, no problem. The Egyptians are going to jack up the price of grain. We got the money. We didn't have the money. And we didn't have good distribution at this time. And people died of starvation in Rome, the largest city in the world at this point that we know of. There was about one million people in the city of Rome at this point. And to give you a sense of things, that disappears quick, starting here. <laughs> now... No city hit a million people in the, again in Europe until 1,100 years later, London. Yeah. So this famine hit hard, and it hit the Jews hard. Uh, it hit everybody hard, but particularly the Jews because they were already sort of outcasts, and definitely the Christians because no one gave a crap about them. Uh, this is when persecution started within Judaism against Christianity in a real way. Namely, John's brother James, St. James the Apostle, was executed uh, by order of, the, of Herod Agrippa. Uh, everybody liked that. So then Herod had Peter arrested, but Peter escaped. It says an angel appeared to him, and I do love this. Did you catch this in today's reading? So Peter's sound asleep in jail. And it says, an angel of the Lord appeared and filled the cell with light and still had to wake him up. I don't know why that cracks me up, right? It's this angel had to poke him to wake him up. Did you catch that? Yeah. I've never caught that till this morning. I was like, yeah, Peter, right? If an angel of the Lord appears and turns your room on fire, you think you'd wake up. And there's Peter just sawing logs and the angel's got to be like, dude, and poke him. I wonder if he used a stick or a sword. <laughs> when I was a little boo, I have a vague memory of I played Peter. Well, this is when we were at St. Mike's in Maple Grove. And I played Peter in this play. 
right? And they had the little paper. We made our little paper chains where you cut the construction paper and you make the loop and you staple them. And so I'm Peter and the angel karate chopped my chains. <laughs> So Peter was arrested uh, and he escaped and then really Herod Agrippa died right after. So they never followed up. Okay. Um, so that's 44. I said that right. 44 AD. Now we jump to 47 AD and we're back to Peter, to Paul. Paul and Barnabas preached. And at this point, this is kind of funny. They're still trying to convince the Christian Jews in Jerusalem, which they considered the center. Um, we want Gentiles to come in without circumcision. And they were like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Peter or bah, Paul and Barnabas took up a massive collection from all the Christian Gentile communities outside of Rome and sent the money to them, right, to help them with their... They were dying of hunger. Uh, and shortly thereafter, Gentiles were allowed to become Christian. <laughs> I didn't have bingo in those days. There was no bingo. So it was like, all right, now, you know, you can be cynical about it, or you can laugh about it, or you can even say what a lot of people would. How do you look at that group of people who just sacrifice poor people. These aren't rich people giving money. These are dirt poor people who are like, oh, they're suffering? Well, here's everything we have. Of course, that's going to touch their hearts, right? Uh, as Jesus said, bad trees don't make good fruit. huh? So uh, during this time, uh, Paul and Barnabas with John Mark returned to Jerusalem and there was some kind of blow up between Paul and Barnabas, who had been pretty inseparable to this point. Well, you may remember when Paul first started preaching in favor of Christianity, no one believed him. Uh, the apostles wouldn't talk to him. Nobody would go near this cat. Barnabas did. Barnabas believed him. And he's the one who brought Paul to the apostles. Okay, He arranged an introduction, sort of like a tinder. Remember, I just, right, am I saying it right? Yes. Am I saying it right? Okay. But what we know happened is this. Um, <laughs> Paul and Barnabas are pretty old and at this point for that day and age, and they're traveling a lot, and they're going places that are dangerous, so they take this young, strapping John Mark with them to protect them. John Mark got scared and abandoned them. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> and when he met them in Jerusalem, he felt terrible about it, asked forgiveness. And Paul was like, yeah, sure. Peace. <laughs> Barnabas went with John Mark. Paul started traveling with a guy named uh, Billy. Is it Titus? No, I have the wrong name, don't I? Another guy who's dead now. I didn't even know he was sick. Uh in the meantime, let me pause here for a special word from our sponsor, Heinz. <laughs> is it Heinz that I said is our sponsor? Yes. I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, so we do know they reunited, which I wasn't clear on. Um, uh, but Silas? Silas. Wow. Did you look it up? Well, yes. Oh, nice. It was Silas. You're 100% right. We do know Paul and Barnabas reconciled. We know Paul and John Mark did. 
We know about John Mark because Paul writes something in 2 Timothy about his friend. And that was the last thing Paul wrote, his friend John Mark, right? <laughs> his, and uh, we know that him and Barnabas did travel again together later. So they did reconcile. I used to think they didn't. But when I figured out this timeline, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. That was 47. They traveled a ton afterwards. So praise God. Traveled a ton. Speaking of which, in 48, Paul and Barnabas set out on their first missionary journey. It lasts one year. In 49, they started their second uh, missionary journey that lasted three years. Okay, 49 to 50 to 1 to 2. Yep, three years. They went to lots of places, but we know Antioch, Ephesus, Caesarea, Caesarea, and Jerusalem. We also know that the emperor Claudius expelled all the Jews from Rome. And it appears, now this is from Roman records, that he blamed it on the Christians. He referred to them as followers of Crestus. But a couple Roman sources referred to Jesus as Crestus. They, they clearly got Christ wrong, right? Uh, and uh, so we assume that's what he was talking about, that these followers of Jesus, fight, the Jews and the Christians fighting, caused uh, um, Claudius to go, out. Everybody out. Jews, go. And Christians, again, didn't call themselves. Well, this is just when Christians were starting to call themselves Christians. Uh, before this, they were just, were Jews. We're, we're Jews. In 50 AD, you see the rise in Jerusalem and around Jerusalem of what are called the Zealot Party. Now, they existed before, but this is where they really started to gain force. They were a violent extremist group who believed they could initiate war with Rome and God would rescue them. Okay, Because that's the only way you're going to defeat Rome. There was no army standing in the known world that had a vague shot. Rome had absolute stranglehold over the Mediterranean at this point. They killed every army that opposed them. There was nobody left. But there came this belief. We can, I don't want to say force God's hand because that's not how they thought, but be this as it may, that becomes important. That's 50 AD. In 53 AD, Paul returned to Antioch and began his third missionary journey, which lasted four years. Uh, this is where, oh, I haven't been to, oh, no, this is where he wrote his first letters that we have. Uh, Galatians, 1 Thessalonians, and 2 Thessalonians were written during this time, about 53 AD. Where did he go? He hit all kinds of places. Here's some highlights. Galatia, quote, the upper regions on the way to Ephesus. And you say, well, what are they? No clue. Uh, Macedonia, Greece, Macedonia again, Troas, uh, Assos, uh, Rhodes, Samos, Padre, Phoenicia, Tyre, Ptolemais, Caesarea, Jerusalem, Montrose, and Clio. <laughs> I skipped a ton of places. The brother moved, right? He, he was moving. Um, and then in 54 AD, he wrote 1 Corinthians. And also during this time, Claudius was poisoned by his wife. Yeah who wanted her son not born of Claudius emperor. And so he was named emperor and his name, Nero. So you thought they were done with crazy, didn't you? <laughs> so in 57 AD, three years later, uh, Paul wrote 2 Corinthians and my favorite, Romans. 
at the end, while in Jerusalem, remember how I told you he ended that last missionary journey in Jerusalem? Paul was arrested for causing a mob. Uh, and he was brought to trial before the Sanhedrin. And while he was awaiting trial, God told Paul, you're going to witness in Rome. Now, Paul did a really interesting thing. And this trial lasts a while and not because of any other reason except nothing happens fast back then, right? Except death. Um, but Paul's trial, what he did that was super clever is when they brought him in to the Jewish trial, and when there's a Jewish religious trial, there was always this conundrum. We can't kill people, right? I'm trying to remember who said this. One of the Jewish leaders at the time said, Roman law says we can kill a goat, but that's about it. Um, in terms of killing a human, they either had to get permission from Rome or make Rome mad at the person on trial so that Rome kills them. Does this make sense? Okay, good. Well, Paul did an extremely clever thing. It's one of the, Paul was smart. He's standing there on trial, and on one side, quite literally, are the Sadducees, and on the other side of the room are the Pharisees, who don't like each other very much, but they're both ticked at Paul. So what does Paul do? It says right in Acts, he looked over at the Pharisees and said, you know they're doing this because I'm a Pharisee. I believe someone can rise from the dead. And the Pharisees went, oh, and went after the uh, Sadducees, and they literally got into a brawl. And Paul's just standing there in chains going, <laughs> right? Isn't he smart? Love this cat. <clears throat> Paul's trials continued, uh, but they couldn't torture him. Why? He's a Roman citizen. And Roman citizens cannot be tortured. Now, here's the other thing Roman citizens can do. If they feel their trial didn't achieve justice, they can say this line in Latin, quote, I appeal to Caesar. And when you appeal to Caesar, an interesting chain of events occurs. If you're a Roman citizen, and Paul was, namely, you will stand before Caesar and be tried. Okay? And Rome will pay for the trip. Rome will take you to Rome to be tried by Caesar. Here's the thing, though. If any Roman citizen can do this, and only the crazy ones did, you had to be crazy or desperate because the emperor will decide against you because that's quick and easy. But it'll take years. You just guaranteed yourself five more years of life. Right? You guaranteed it with safe conduct and housing provided by Rome. I know. Don't you love this guy? So uh, uh, Paul was then taken before Felix, the governor, who sent him to Festus. And in front of Festus, who was a Roman, he said the magic words, I appeal to the Caesar. So Paul was put on a boat to Rome. Sounds good, right? The boat crashed. The bo <laughs> Paul told him. It's straight in the Bible. Paul's like, don't do it. Look at the clouds, right? And Romans, I don't know if you know this, we're terrible seamen right? The worst. Uh, and I could tell you all about that sometime. But uh, the boat crashed in Malta, which is where Christianity first came to Malta. Remember our little Malta mama here? Um, you know, she told me everywhere in Malta are statues of Paul. They love Paul. They wouldn't have been Christian without him. He crashed on Malta. There was an incident where a snake bit him and he should have been dead. He was fine. 
and it blew them away. Uh, and uh, Paul stayed there for quite some time. Uh, while they fixed the boat and they brought the whole country to Christianity. Well, they weren't a country. They were an island under Rome. During this time, Nero's mom was killed, right? Her name's Agrippina. Guess who killed her? I'll give you a hint, Nero. Do you know what her last words? She had the best last words ever, seriously. Do you want to hear them? Smite my womb. Yeah, when your son kills you, you get to say, smite my womb. That's, who says that? Like, I, my last words would be, ow! You know, she was beaten to death, and her last words were, smite my womb. I love this chick. So after Malta, uh, Paul makes two more stops. The boat does. I mean, it's not up to Paul. And then Paul finally gets to Rome in 60 AD. Are people happy? They are? Yeah. Okay. What time is it? It's five minutes. Oh, dear. You know, I can, I might, how's this? I can finish this, but we'll go a little over. I know. Well, let's just see. You stop me when we're ready. So Paul arrives in Rome. He has appealed to the emperor. His trip is paid for. He's got a nice place to stay that he's not paying for the emperor as. So he takes that time to write Philemon, Colossians, Ephesians, and Philippians. Uh, he met with the Jews there. He preached and grew in popularity. And eventually, they just let him out of prison. Uh, why? It's really unclear. We just know they let him out. And we also know that four years later, they arrested him again. So... What could it be? All kinds of things. It could be quite literally they didn't mean to release him. It could mean that the emperor changed his mind and then changed it again. There's not any rhyme or reason to how things worked back then. He was arrested again and imprisoned by Nero. And during that time, which is four years later, he wrote 2 Timothy and Titus. And Peter at this time, we haven't heard from him in a bit, wrote First and Second Peter. And you're like, well, what's Peter been doing all this time? We have no clue. We have no idea. Uh, we know he was in Rome. Uh, we don't know if he met with Paul during this time. Uh, it seems doubtful because if Peter was in prison, which is possible, which is likely at some point he ended up in prison, uh, he would have been in a prison because he wasn't a Roman. So they could torture him, starve him, beat him, work him to death, whatever they wanted. And they did that. Um, like if you look at the Tiber River today, and you look at, right, the Tiber's that river that cuts through Rome. And you look at it in the time of Jesus. They're two totally different rivers. And if you look at it 100 years before, they were totally different rivers. Why? Well, the Romans changed them. <laughs> when you have unlimited slave labor, uh, you can go, yeah, isn't that crazy? You can go, I want the river over there. And four years later, it'll be there. And they did that all the time. I know that sounds crazy. They changed the river a lot. In fact, side note, this is so irrelevant, but this is one of my favorite things. When Caesar Augustus died, they wrote this book, and I think it was called The Acts of Caesar Augustus. And it was just, here's all the stuff I did, right, while I was print chaps. And one of them was he talked about how they leveled the whole section of Rome, the city, flooded it, and staged a fake navy battle there. For, for fun. I'm dead serious. Like, for entertainment. Isn't that wild? So anyway, Peter was probably put to work. Uh, 
and here's where it gets really interesting. An event happened that changed Christianity and Rome kind of forever. Okay? So Rome was leveled once, way, 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 500 years before this, by an army of barbarians. And this is before they were a superpower. Okay, And when Rome rebuilt, and, and at that point, Rome was a square city built like all Roman cities were, perfectly organized, intelligently laid out. But if you've been to Rome today, you know it is a disaster, right? There, there, there is no straight streets there. There are one-way dead ends every 13 feet, I think. It is the most incomprehensible mess you've ever seen. And it's because when they built that city, when they rebuilt it after the barbarians, and this was under a guy named uh, Camillus, uh, so you're talking three, 500 years ago, they just put it up as they could because they were fighting off enemies on Monday morning and building at Monday night. And it was just this haphazard, thrown together disaster that every Roman emperor said, I'll fix, right? We'll fix that. Because they had the money. Like, you got to remember, the Roman emperor can, I don't know, buy the city. He could. Just buy all the property, level it and rebuild it. But you don't want to displace your taxpayers. It turns out tax revenue is important. Um, well, one of the things Nero really wanted was to reorganize the city in such a way that a quarter of it was his palace. <laughs> Nero, you know, some people, it's like, boy, you know, he, he really has a low opinion of himself. Nero was not one. Uh, Nero had a very high opinion of himself. And uh, he wanted to build this thing, the Domus, I think it's Aria or Aria, something like that. The Golden Dome. A golden uh, city, golden house, domicile, right? Where we get the word domicile, it's Latin for house. Uh, the gold house. Uh, and he wanted to build this, but turns out there were people there. <laughs> and although the emperor was powerful, if you kick a quarter of a city out of their houses so you can have a big one, they will riot and kill you. Okay. Um, well, mysteriously, in the section of the city he wanted built, tore down and rebuilt, a fire started. The trouble with fires in Rome is everything's made of wood and everything's dry. If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. And the city went up in flames. Uh, it was an unparalleled disaster. Now, the rumor at the time was he started it. And you can argue he did, you can argue he didn't. Who knows? He's dead. Right, and everybody there was is dead. But one thing for sure is Nero turned all the talk against him away by saying, no, we did an investigation. It's these new people called Christians. And that's where the relationship between Christians and Rome went south and stayed south for almost 300 years. Christians became the boogeyman, right? Everything that was done, Christians. Uh, they had all kinds of charges against them, uh, like this and cannibalism, right? Because we believe we're eating God's flesh. Uh, but they didn't, yeah, anyway, blah, blah, blah. What you need to know is that a lot of the city of Rome was destroyed and rebuilt very haphazardly because Nero, again, was a bit of a disaster. 
but he blamed the Christians because that seemed the right thing to do. And during this time, by the way, uh, oh, I already told you Peter wrote First and Second Peter. Did I tell you guys that? Okay. So that's where we are in 64 AD. Now, you get to 66 AD, and this is where it all ends. Uh, of, for these two, Paul was executed. Um, he was beheaded. Roman beheadings, I know I've told you this, but 99% did, likely did not involve chopping off their head. That's just something they didn't have the ability to do. Their swords were piercers, not hackers. Okay, uh, they're called gladiuses. Today, I should show you guys mine. I've got one somewhere. Um, I don't know if I brought it over here, but anyway, they're not. If you hit someone this way, you bruise them. You're not going to cut them. They're not sharp. The end is sharp. Stab. So we know one of the ways they did it. The most common way was simply to put a sword here, have the person bow their head, and shove down. Right, instant death, uh, because Paul was Roman, so they couldn't torture him. But here's a crazy thing. People have calculated how much Paul walked in his lifetime. Do you know this? 10,000 miles. 10,000 miles. This morning I read something. I said, how far is 10,000? It's to walk from New York to L.A. and back four times. That's what that man did for the gospel, not to make money, not to get famous, not to be comforted and pampered, because he sure wasn't. Uh, you know, Paul wrote this whole list of what happened to him on those 10,000 miles, right? I almost died three times. I was beaten to death here. I was in almost to death here. I mean, on and on and on. Poor Paul. I mean, poor Paul, my butt. He was excited about it. So 66 is important. Paul was executed and Peter was executed. Now, Peter was not a Roman, so they could torture the snot out of him, and they did. He was uh, crucified upside down on Vatican Hill. Um, and uh, that's also the year the Gospel of Mark was written by John Mark, right, who fled when Barnabas and Paul needed them. Isn't that cool? Hope and redemption for everybody. This is also the year that the Jews rose up against Rome in revolt in Jerusalem, okay? So the member I talked to you guys about, the what do you call them, the zealots? They went out um, and killed all the Romans in the city, barricaded the gates, and just waited for the largest army in the history of the world to show up, and they did. Um, so 66 is a seminal year. And you'll have people say, no, it was 64. I don't know. I believe 66, but I really don't care, right? Because time was super loose back then. Uh, 67 AD, their great general, a guy named Josephus, uh, surrendered to the Romans and became a Roman general. He was kind of a traitor in a sense. 68, Nero killed himself. Uh, and his last words are funny. What an artist the world is losing. What a loser. Uh, Vespasian took the throne. Uh, there was a big civil war. Of course, every general with an army went, I could be emperor. And Vespasian went, not if I kill you first. And he became the next emperor, finished the war in Jerusalem, and destroyed the temple. So, wow, we did it. I really did. I thought this would take two days. Yeah. Okay, so I think what I'll do then is tell you this. I'll wrap up as quick as I can, because I know I went way over. I do think tomorrow then I'll just dedicate to the discussion uh, about um, 
Maybe how to talk about these things peacefully. Maybe to help us pro-lifers understand the pro-choicers a little better. Help maybe you pro-choicers understand us pro-lifers a little better. Um, and, oh, do we have a question? Yeah. I'm on the wrong page. Let me take a peek, okay? All right. How long after the crucifixion did Judas take his own life? Well, right away, but we don't know that he killed himself, right? One gospel says he killed himself. One gospel said he tripped and fell on a rock and got gutted. Um, uh, so somebody said, is it a coincidence that our calendar began close to the birth of Jesus? Oh, no, that was planned, right? What, when Christians took control of the Roman Empire, uh, a guy named... Now, I'm going to say Justinian, but don't quote me, okay? I'm not 100% confident. It was Justinian who started us on the path of measuring time the way we do now, okay? It might have been Gregory, because it's called the Gregorian calendar. But I can't remember if Gregory fixed what Justinian did, or if, the, or if Justinian, you know what I'm saying? I can't remember. But so, no, no, there was no A.D. or B.C., until way after. At this point, they just the Romans used the starting year as the year the city of Rome was founded, which I think is 530 BC on our calendar. Okay, I think. Um we will oh yeah. So here's will we take questions tomorrow or Friday? Do you remember? Yeah, tomorrow on the Oh, on the abortion issue. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to try my best. Okay. Tomorrow. And uh, this isn't, uh, you know, like I said, I gained a lot of understanding of why some of my students feel the way they do. And I also gained an understanding as to why every student post, former student post that I saw was pro-choice. And it was literally the pro-life kids were like, it's not worth it. I'll just get screamed at for a month. Uh, I was like, oh, uh, so, uh, yeah, so I'm going to try. I'm going to try to have a rational, loving conversation that we all walk away from better people. Okay. Um, so pray for me. Pray that I do a good job. I told the Lord if we, yeah, okay, we got it. And then Friday will be question and answer. I do ask you to pray if I may be selfish. Uh we had five deaths on Saturday, and then we had another one yesterday, and we already had funerals scheduled. So we're really having a tough time getting all these funerals in. And if I hate how I sound. There are people who are waiting a long time for a funeral now just because we're out of priests. Um, so uh, pray for all of these people who are mourning. And if I may be selfish, pray for Father Leonoy. It's hard to do a funeral. It takes a lot out of you if you do it right. Um, and like, there's one stretch where I think we're doing four in a row. Um, and I don't know if I can do it. So, uh, pray for us if I may be so bold, um, and pray for all those who mourn, huh? Um, with that, I'll wrap us up with a prayer and I'll see you beautiful people tomorrow. Yeah. Salad pray in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit. Okay, Jesus, thank you so much for Saints Peter and Paul. They were not perfect, never claimed to be perfect, never hid their past, but rejoice in what you saved them from. So today, we rejoice in the sins you've kept us from. We can't believe it. Uh, that's a miracle. We rejoice that you use broken, faulty people because we're broken and faulty people. 
And we rejoice because what we know above all things is that you love us so much and that it is that love that defines us. What we ask for now, Lord, is that you bring peace to our hearts and minds. We ask that you comfort all of those who are mourning and that you bless Father Lay and I, that you keep our minds and hearts focused on you as we navigate these interesting days. And Father, you know those people we love so much and worry about, and you know all the people that we fret at, circumstances that we fret about. And we give all of them to you, Lord, because we love you and we trust you. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see you beautiful people tomorrow. And until that day, peace. Is it over? No, it's never over.